Welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks very much for tuning in. A little later today, we are going to play a little clip from the debut of Created Equal, a new podcast here at WDET that focuses on modern issues of inequality, social, racial, economic inequality, and uses the lens of history to try to give you a different view of those issues. Uh, Also, great storytelling, wonderful narrative in all of these pieces. We'll talk a little later with Laura Weber Davis, who is a producer at Detroit Today and the executive producer of Created Equal, about the first episode, and then we'll play a little bit of it for you. You can also go find Created Equal now wherever you download podcasts, whether that's on iTunes or some other source. So you're going to want to stay tuned for that. And then we're going to end the show today with a little music. One of my favorite things we do here on Detroit Today have live music here in Studio A. But up front, uh, Bill Clinton was governor of Arkansas and president of the United States. Hillary Clinton was first lady, a U.S. senator, and secretary of state. But she has now run twice for the presidency and lost. Now that she's lost this most current bid to be president, what becomes of the Clintons and what becomes of their legacy? It's one of the stories that is spinning out after the momentous election of 2016 last week, and I've got someone here today who can help shed a lot of light on the Clinton aspect of this. Ron Fournier is associate publisher with Crane's Detroit Business. He covered the Clintons in Arkansas and then later at the White House. Ron, welcome to Detroit Today. Great to be back. Yeah. So I love that I, title, Created Equal. That's created a perfect equal. title. Yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, we, we, we were talking about how this is the one phrase that is repeated more often throughout sort of our, our social and, and legal history we've never than any other. And we've never quite lived up to it, right? The, the, the story of America is a striving one toward, toward that goal. So, uh, yeah, we're really proud of the work. So uh, that's going to be a great part of our, our little world here on Detroit today. Uh, Ron, you are one of two people I know uh, who both covered the Clintons in Arkansas and then wrote about them in Washington. The other is Maria Henson, who is uh, a close friend of mine. She and I worked together uh, when I was a very young uh, editorial writer at the Lexington, Kentucky Herald Leader. Uh, She was also an editorial writer there, but she had uh, she had worked at uh, at the newspaper in in Little Rock uh, when when the Clintons were were uh, were in power there and she used to tell me all kinds of things about what they were like as not just uh you know uh, a governor and his wife but as a sort of joint power couple mm-hmm. right that yeah. there was always this partnership between the two of them that that uh, that powered the relationship and then of course powered policy making in the state. Uh, as I said, you're the other person I know who, who's Maria, had that experience. she was amazing. She worked for the Arkansas Gazette. I yeah. worked for the Arkansas Democrat. And the Gazette, I hate to say it, was a much better paper. It's the one that won the Pulitzer during the Faubus crisis. Um, she was someone I looked up to. I don't know her very well, but it, her byline was like, because she was writing out of Washington when yeah. I was there at the time. Yeah. Um, and it was like, man, I want to do what she does someday. <laughs> yeah, she she's was amazing. Great. She yeah. is really amazing. But yeah, they... they um, um, you know, I've had a lot of people over the years ask me, you know, what's their marriage really like? Do they really love each other? Is it, is it a marriage of convenience? And I say, you know, I'm not going to try to get inside your marriage. You can't get inside <laughs> of mine. 
Um, so I can't tell you what it's really like, but I can tell you I'm convinced as a pretty cynical guy who doesn't take things at face value that the Clintons did and still do really love each other. Um, it, it is it is a lifelong partnership um, where uh, their personal life, uh, it was hard to tell the difference between their personal life and their professional life. Yeah. And if you're committed to public service, uh, um, if you believe in public service, whether you're, you thought the Clintons were uh, um, good politicians or not, whether you're a Democrat or not, you have to admire people. Um, who do commit themselves so fully uh, to public service. And, and um, um, I've covered a lot on both sides of the fence who I put in that category, and I certainly put the, the Clintons there. They were all in uh, together um, to push forward their agenda, whether you supported it or not. Uh, they were always about that. Yeah. Uh, you can't talk about the Clintons, of course, without talking about, uh, I sort of always imagine them as having this string or rope tied to their ankles and sort of all of this stuff uh, attached to the rope behind them. And every well, time, like all of us, every time, that's right. Of course, no one is, no one is free of that <laughs> burden. Uh, but that every time they take a step forward, you know, there's this clanging and yeah. uh, banging noise behind them uh, of all of these things that, that uh, have sort of stuck with them for a really long time. Some of them great things, some of them accomplishments, but a lot of them, uh, scandal. Scandal seems to sort of attach itself to this couple in a way that's really different from other yeah. politicians. And that dates back to Arkansas. I mean, oh, that sure. didn't start in Washington. Some of it self-imposed and some of it unfair. Um, this last year, I keep coming back to one particular incident in Arkansas uh, that really doesn't stand out in the history of Arkansas annals, but I think really does reflect exactly what you're talking about, both the good and the bad. So in the late 80s, and you have to go back or ask Maria exactly when this was, um, Bill Clinton was pushing an ethics initiative on the ballot. Um, Arkansas, as you might not be surprised to learn, didn't <laughs> have many ethics. Right? Uh, you know, A lot of governors before him had made a lot of money illegally off the state. Um, the state legislature, if I recall, would not pass this ethics legislation. So he started pushing it as a ballot initiative. It was polling at 60 or 70 percent favorability. The business community was behind it. The do-good community was behind it. Um, what few Republicans were in the state legislature at the time were behind it. Everybody knew it was going to pass. Almost everybody wanted it to pass. There really wasn't a big opposition to it. And like I said, it was a ballot initiative, and they had to get X number of signatures to get it on the initiative, they being the governor's office, mm -hmm. and Hillary Clinton was part of his team, as we just discussed. Um, we at the Arkansas Democrat caught uh, uh, secretaries in the governor's office under orders forging signatures. Now, what struck me, struck me about it then was, why? Right. You didn't have to do that. It wasn't a very high threshold. You had to get to sign signatures. You could stand out at any... It was popular. Exactly. Everybody was going to sign it. But it was kind of... Th th this is the Clintons. They really feel like what they're doing is right. So damn the torpedoes. The ends do justify the means. We're not going to let anybody stop us. We have to make sure we have enough signatures because those bad old people who don't want this are going to are going to fight it. They're going to challenge some signatures. So, you know, it's that sense of righteousness that gets them in trouble again and again and again. That, yeah. That's where the critics say the rules don't apply to the Clintons. Well, they really don't think they do. Now their supporters will say, well, it's because they're doing the right thing. And sometimes in life, the ends do justify the means. But that's the mentality. The higher you get in politics, the closer that microscope gets on you, the more it gets you in trouble. And every time they've gotten in trouble, the microscope has gotten closer to them and they get more in trouble for that attitude. Absolutely. That's a great story, uh, by the way. And I've, I've heard that story before, but I had... Uh, I had forgotten it. And it ended up passing, and it was a great thing for the state. Right. I mean, they were doing the right they thing. Would, I will tell you, I think they were doing the right thing. And they thing. would probably, if you ask them about it, they would say, that's a win. It doesn't yeah. matter that exactly. maybe we were cheating a little. 
we got the thing that uh, that we were after, and we got the thing that was better for the people of Arkansas. But, uh, yeah, maybe people call me Pollyannish, but we teach our kids, and we try to live our lives to know that the way you do thing, things in life matters as much as what you get done. The ends don't justify uh, the means. And uh, that's one thing. It's, it's the one flaw in this couple who I otherwise have a hell of a lot of respect for. Um, even as I've, I've criticized them. This is just a time and time again, this is where I've had to raise my hand and say, stop it. Yeah. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is Ron Fournier. He's the associate publisher of Crane's Detroit Business. Uh, he covered the Clintons in Arkansas and at the White House. We are talking about the Clintons and their legacy. Now that uh, Hillary Clinton has run twice for the presidency, twice come up short, what's next? for this couple that has defined politics in many ways in Arkansas and our country. And what do we think of the things that they've done? Is it more about their accomplishments or are they going to be remembered more for the scandals that have followed them around, it seems, for many decades? 313-577-1019 is the number to join the conversation. 313-577-1019. What do you think of the Clinton legacy? What will it look like five or 10 or 15 years from now? Uh, and how much did, uh, did that sort of balance between accomplishment and scandal play a role in the decision you made last week, last Tuesday, when you went to the polls? Uh, were you concerned about uh, the, the, the ethical challenges that seem to emanate from Hillary Clinton and, uh, of course, her husband, Bill Clinton, for, for in so many instances? Or do you think there's been too much made of all of that? Again, 313-577-1019 is the number, 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and uh, put your comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. Uh, we'll work your comments into the conversation. Uh, Ron, I, I haven't talked to you much since the election last week, and so I'm sort of curious what you make of the outcome, given uh, given all the things you know about uh, the Clintons and, and Hillary Clinton in, in particular, uh, what was it that uh, that did her in uh, ultimately? Not not with the voters, but certainly in the process. I mean, she'll end up winning the popular vote by, I guess, by about a million votes. Mm -hmm. uh, she was able to close the deal there in a very strange way, actually. Uh, but but she will not be the president of the United States because uh, the Electoral College is the way we we uh, decide that. And, and by the way, that's the way the Clintons ran the campaign too. The Clinton uh, team was to win the Electoral College. They were so they had a they had a play, map, you, right? You win or lose uh, by the the rules that you, right. you play by, right? That's right. Uh, but what was it about Hillary Clinton that uh, that that came up short here? And I, I think that's the way I see it. I mean, I do mm -hmm. see I, I would cast the election results as her not closing the deal the way that she needed to with enough voters? Two things. On, on, on a small level, on the, on the, the micro level, um, uh, she destroyed her credibility um, early in the campaign and by with, with uh, the way she, not what she did with her emails, but um, the way she refused to be honest about what she, she did. Um, and it was, it, it was very obvious it was going to happen if you weren't inside the campaign, if you, if you weren't um, a, blinded by uh, your your loyalty to her or her party it was clear that she her credibility was going to tank and it's hard to get people to vote for you it's hard to sway minds it's hard to get people from the middle to vote for you um, if you're not trusted um, so that's the original 
sin. That's a part she owns. But this was much bigger than Hillary Clinton. It was much bigger than Donald Trump. I mean, the real reason she lost is because the people of this country, um, except for a small percentage on the far right and far left, are madder than hell, and they're not going to take it anymore. This is a, this was a change election. And for as qualified as she is, as for as, as smart she is, as for as committed to public service she is, for all the reasons that people, more people than not, voted for her, um, she is not a change candidate. She's not what her husband was in 1992. Yeah. Um, and, it's I, a, and that's a really that's a really important distinction. I mean, the difference in time. Oh, it's the uh, and distinction. Circumstance, right? It's uh, the, look at she 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 her time to run was at a time when we're going through um, a once in a century economic change on top of a once in a century demographic change on top of a once in a century technological revolution on top of a new kind of warfare that makes people anxious. That confluence of change hits us every 80, 120 years. The last time was the Gilded Age. Yes. When that happens, the people rise up. That's when populism in its most, in its most inspiring, and I would say Barack Obama was an example of this, and it's the most virulent is that the right pronunciation? Yeah, it's yeah. ugliest way. Um, that's when populism rises up. We saw it happen. You're talking about um, your your podcast yeah. history. It yeah. rhymes, right? Sure. Um, so this was the wrong time for a status quo candidate to run. If, if for, for her to run her best way, she should have run as more of a change agent. She should have been a disruptor. Um, she ran a very 1990s campaign at a time that could not be more unlike the 1990s. And Donald Trump was a disruptor. I happen to think in a very negative way. Um, but he has started the disruption of politics that, by the way, has only just begun. Yeah, a massive Donald Trump disruption. is a symptom of something much bigger that's coming across the spectrum. Um, big disruption in our political parties and in all of our political institutions, I hope to God, uh, because the status quo can't hold. Um, and, and this is what happens when, when, when our parties don't adapt to this change. You have things happening like a lot of people out there, not all of whom are racist, not all of whom are stupid, saying, I know he's dangerous. I know he's crazy. I know he doesn't do his homework. I know he's vacuous on policy, but he can't be worse than what we have now. Yeah, it's a pretty that's a I mean, I, I feel like that's such a cynical way to make. Well, hell yes. But, but, but these are uh, voters who've been who've been led by very cynical people. Yeah. And for, for those of us who want a better brand of politics, Donald Trump, we have two choices. One is to mock and ridicule and demean and, 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 and with a broad brushes stroke um, um, a, a, attack his voters as we should him. No problem attacking Donald Trump. I'll, right. I'll stand in line with you on that one, maybe. <laughs> um, so we can, we, we can paint all his voters with one broad brush or we can understand where they're coming from. We can try to walk a mile in their shoes. And by the way, a lot of them are former Democrats that live a few miles from where we're sitting out here, sure. out here in Macomb County yeah. and figure out how um, a modern party would appeal to them in a, in a progressive um, affirmational way. Barack Obama managed to do so. He did. Can this be all about race? There's a lot of, a lot of white men who voted for Barack Obama who didn't vote for Hillary Clinton. So this is much bigger than Hillary Clinton. It's much bigger than uh, these two parties. It's the times we're living in. Yeah. Uh, let's go to the phones. Lots of people want to talk about the Clintons. Uh, Jim in Ann Arbor, you're up first on Detroit Today. Well, good morning. Um, yeah, you know, the, the, the press did not do context well this year. For one, they almost, on your show, I never heard once about the fact checkers like PolitiFact pointing out that the vast majority of statements by Trump were lies. And I well, remember, actually, we talked a lot on we talked a lot on the in show about in that. In seven, the Bush administration was caught using the RNC server for emails, and 22 million emails disappeared. Yes, the Republican response was absolute silence. 
the, the media carried it for a few weeks and dropped it. Never brought up this year. Why is it that, that her 30,000 emails that were vetted by her attorneys, to which ones were not good, which, I mean, which were business and which were personal, but 22 million disappear on the Republican side, and poof, it just disappears. Well, one, one difference. happens over and over and over again in the last 15, yeah. 20 years. One distinction, Stories Jim. Republicans disappear. Yeah, one, one, one distinction, Jim, is that George W. Bush was not on the ballot this time. Donald Trump Fine. was. And we, hold on, hold on. And we spent a lot of time on this show actually talking about the things that he said that were not true. I mean, we spent a lot of airtime talking about Donald Trump, about the extraordinary nature of his campaign, about the extraordinary nature of the things he said, not just in terms of truth or untruth, but also in terms of uh, bigoted or un uh, or, or, or or neutral. We talked about uh, the things that he talked about that uh, we we thought were you know, uh, unconstitutional. I mean, we spent a lot of time doing that. Now, now the, the email question, I think I, I tend to agree with you that the, the, the coverage of her emails generally was overblown. I mean, I, I, I still don't see, I still don't see what the substantive error was there so much as the, the way she handled it, but um, I'll, but take, I don't, I'll take that. Yeah, go ahead, Ron. <laughs> I, I, I'm quite sure Ron would disagree with me on that. <laughs> um, first, I don't think there's any equivalence between what Hillary Clinton has done and what Donald Trump has done. I'm on record as, as saying um, that for everything I'm about to say about Hillary Clinton, it doesn't nearly stack up against um, the problems that people have with Donald Trump. Um, first, keep in mind, Jim, that about 90% of reporters who covered this campaign Will vote had vo- voted for Hillary Clinton. Our, our Democrats, our, our left of center. It's much it's much harder for Democrats to make the case that the media is biased against them because it's just it's just the, the, it's just not the case. Right. Um, second, um, I think that we need to start holding our party's leaders more accountable than the other party. Um, two wrongs don't make a right when we're raising our kids. So why would justification for Hillary Clinton's wrongdoing be? Oh well, Republicans did it too. Um, no, uh, she should not have done what she did. And if the Democratic Party had all stood up, um, as I did in, in in March of 2015, and said, "Turn your server over to the IG, exp- to, to, to the Inspector General of the State Department, where it belongs. Explain why you had a a private server because you didn't trust Republicans to let you do your job." Um, and but but then say, "I should be better than Republicans," and this would have all been done. Now, here's what she did: what was wrong. First of all, it violated the stated policy of the White House, her president. Second of all, it violated the written policy put in place by the State Department nine months after she took office. Third, but most important, if everybody did what Hillary Clinton did, if every public official did what she did and put their government email on a secret private server, there would be no Freedom of Information Act, Stephen. I know how much you value it. Sure. If everyone did, and, and I'm not talking about just the presidency, but there, there would not be the, the state, city, right. and as you and I know, we don't have enough transparency in Absolutely. freedom of information. Look what Mike Duggan is allowed to get away with. If everyone did what she did, there would be no Freedom of Information Act. Also, there would be no... Um, There'd be um, no need for it, right? Right, and there would be no executive, there would be no congressional check, no legislative branch check on the executive branch. What she was doing was hiding her working documents from the from Congress. Now, whatever you think about Congress, you've got to be for the legislature's ability to yeah. be able to, um, to to oversee the executive branch or you, or you don't value the Constitution. Third, but less importantly, um, 
I, I love the historical record. I love the fact that historians can go back and see what our leaders have done. If everyone did what she did, you would not have a historical record. Fourth and finally, and this is what everybody was most spun up about, but it really wasn't the first or last or the major thing that concerned me. She did jeopardize U.S. secrets. That is indisputable that she put U.S. secrets in a way that were more easily to be... Um, it could have been stolen. Could have been yeah. stolen. Yeah. But I actually, it's the order in which I stated them that I've always been more upset by. And if the Democratic Party had done its job, if we had all stood up and said, don't do this, we're better than that, she would have won by 20 points. Yeah, no, I think that's right. But but I also Even in think, a change election. I also think histor- in the future, the press will look back at its own coverage of this election and lament how much time was spent I disagree. talking about no. emails versus We, we spent this time, things. Stephen, because she refused to come clean. She refused to say what she did and why she did it. And, and, and she waited until the FBI came and got her. Yeah, no, she had no choice. The reason we spent so much time on it is she wouldn't put the issue to rest. And we don't stop asking questions just because we might vote for the person. Matter of <laughs> fact, if we're likely to vote for the person, we should be asking the questions Ask even harder. Even more questions. Damn yeah. straight. All right. That's, I, that's I don't think view. we agree, but I hear you. <laughs> we, uh, don't, we don't have to do it. <laughs> that's right. Uh, let's go to uh, Fran in Dearborn Heights. Fran, welcome to Detroit Today. Hi, Stephen. How are hey. you doing? Good. How are you? Good, good. Well, I really disagree with your panel guest. Uh, Hillary Clinton had a couple of problems, and let's be for real. Number one, she's a woman. Yeah. And women are held. Women are held to a higher. No doubt. Moral compass. So she's a woman. She's not supposed to ever do anything wrong or anything <laughs> contrary to the rules. But she broke the rules. Bad girl. Bad girl. But. If she were a man, it would have been a whole different perspective. She was grilled for 12 hours about those emails. Sure. She answered every question. She kept her composure. If there was really anything in those emails worthwhile, they would have sat her down and said, Hillary, you can't run, honey. We're going to have to go with Bernie. <laughs> I mean, you know, politicians sit down and discuss things that the public never hears about. I was raised in a political household. I know I know some of some of that game. Mm-hmm. Number two, Hillary Clinton's second problem was simply that she did not do her community outreach you know, yeah. earlier yeah. enough. She should have come to the hood. I'm sorry, she should she should have come to Detroit earlier. She should have come to places like Redford Township earlier. She should have come to she did go to Flint, but that was more like a, a you know a, a photo op. yeah Fran that's that's a really important point and we're starting now you know a week and a half out from the election to hear more about what the Clinton ground game quote unquote looked like and how different it looked from uh, 2012 or 2008 or maybe even 2004 when John Kerry was the uh, presidential candidate on the Democratic side I mean they, they, there was a lot of missed opportunity uh, that that I think helps explain uh, again just the just the differentials in the in the vote turnout. I mean, uh, Barack Obama, even four years ago when he was not nearly as popular as he was eight years ago, uh, got a lot of votes that that Hillary Clinton just sort of left on the table. Well, I was looking at some data yesterday, Stephen. That Hillary Clinton got a higher percentage of the African American vote, but a far fewer number of African Americans voted. Yes. And this is a great, I, I actually, I agree with the caller on both points, and this is why politics is so interesting, because it's a lot more subtle and nuanced than we, we, we pretend it to be. 
I can believe everything I just said, you know, when I was talking over you, and I apologize for interrupting That's you. That's okay. <laughs> um, but I also agree with um, both things um, this caller said, that yes, women are held to a higher standards, and yes, there is a certain amount of sexism that held her back. Just like um, when I was working for the Associated Press and running the Bureau in 2008, we ran some incredible polling, um, and not just the standard polling, really deep polling that showed that there was at least a 7 to 8 percentage point loss that Barack Obama started out with behind be- only because of the color of his skin. Sure. Um, now, I'm, I'll never excuse that, um, but he did overcome it. Yeah. Um, this country it overcame it, yeah. partly because of um, the message he had was compelling, and he didn't have any baggage, and he didn't create any baggage for himself. Hillary well, Clinton he didn't have able, a very compelling message yeah. and didn't have baggage. In a perverse way, he was able to tap into the same kind of sentiment about race that Donald Trump was, and, I, and I'll explain what I mean there. Barack Obama was a was able to get people to not think about his race in the way that they went into the voting booth. They voted for him despite the fact that he was an African American. Donald Trump was able to get people into the booth to vote for him despite the racist things that he said. In other words, both choices are they are not post racial. But uh, I guess I would call them extra racial in the sense that race was not the driving sentiment behind either choice. uh, And that's how you end up with these two polls. That's interesting. Don't you think part of um, the motivation for people coming out to vote for Barack Obama was it it made them feel better about themselves in the country by voting for somebody who happened to be African-American? I think there were a lot of people like that. But I also think there are a lot of people who thought. You know, I mean, look at where we were when uh, that vote took place. I mean, we were losing 700,000 jobs a month. Uh, uh, People were losing their houses. I mean, the the country was in a very desperate position. And I think, you know, the the, the change argument that he made, which was not about race, uh, but was about those issues that people were facing, was more compelling. And they were willing to say, yeah, you know, maybe I don't. You know, I don't think most people. I don't think most people consider themselves to be bigoted, and and in most cases, they probably aren't overtly, but they do still overlook. I think a lot of the bigotry that exists in the in the society, and uh, they were able then to look past, right. uh, you know, race in both cases, and so you end up with Obama Trump voters. So what is what is the issue that links these two? Elections and think you're right. Think of the risk people took not on voting for an African American, but voting for a freshman senator. Sure, somebody who had no real executive. We could go into a depression, and he ended up doing a hell of a job with that. But what? Obviously, it's it's change. Yeah. yeah. So people are desperate, so desperate for change, they're willing to take a chance on Barack Obama, and and now they're willing to take a a chance on Donald Trump. And I would never draw an equivalence between between these these two men. Sure. Um, but that's what the times are about. And we're about to have, I think, a, a series of one-term presidents and overthrows in Congress, a lot of even more disruption and, and intense, fierce populism, maybe even violent populism, until we get our acts together. Yeah. All right. Ron Fournier, associate publisher, Cranes Detroit Business, used to cover the Clintons in Arkansas and at the White House. Thanks, as always, for joining us on Detroit Today. Thanks for having me. All right. uh, Up next, we're going to talk about our new podcast, Created Equal, which launches today. You can go to iTunes and download or find it wherever you find podcasts. Stay with us on Detroit Today. Detroit Today.